0: morning, beloved. Today, as I told the young people, is the church's capital C church's birthday. Uh, Not our particular church, mind you, but the church of Jesus Christ throughout the world. Pentecost today is the day that we throughout the world through all types of denominations and Christian uh, ways of looking at things, we remember how the church came into being. It's a day we learn why the church exists in the first place. So this morning, as you hear the scripture from Acts chapter 2, I want us to listen as to why the church came into being and what was necessary for it to accomplish its purpose. I'm going to be reading this morning from um, Eugene Peterson's The Message. So listen to the word of the Lord. Um, Jesus has uh, ascended And this is where we pick up in the story. When the Jewish feast of Pentecost came, they, that is all the disciples, were gathered all together in one place. And without warning, there was a sound like a strong wind, gale force. No one could tell where it came from. It filled the whole building. And then, like a wildfire, the Holy Spirit spread through their ranks, and they started speaking in a number of different languages as the Spirit prompted them. Now, there were many Jews staying in Jerusalem just then, devout pilgrims from all over the known world. And when they heard the sound, they came on the run. And then they heard one, after another their own mother tongues being spoken and they were thunderstruck they couldn't for the life of them figure out what was going on they kept saying aren't these all just Galileans how come how come we're hearing them talk in our various mother tongues Parthians Medes Elamites visitors from Mesopotamia Judea Cappadocia Pontus, Asia, Phrygia, Pamphylia, Egypt, and the parts of Libya belonging to Cyrene. Immigrants from Rome, both Jews and proselytes, even Cretans and Arabs. They're speaking our language, describing God's mighty works. Now, the people's heads were spinning. They couldn't make head or tail of it. They talked back and forth, confused. What's going on here? Others joked. Oh, they're just drunk on cheap wine. And that's when Peter stood up back by the other 11. And he spoke out with bold urgency. Fellow Jews, all of you who are visiting Jerusalem, listen carefully and get This straight. These people aren't drunk as some of you suspect. They haven't had time to get drunk. It's only nine in the morning. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God indeed. Now we find a group of disciples gather together during the Jewish festival of Pentecost, which occurs 50 days from the festival of Passover, which is when Jesus was crucified and killed. Um, it's one of the major festivals in the Jewish tradition. And if you were an able-bodied Jewish man or woman, you were to go to Jerusalem and be present for the feast of Pentecost. Um, our text today indicates that Jews from all over the known world at that time were going to Jerusalem. From the north, from the south, from the east to the west. And what we see is that Jesus' disciples are still there as well. Now though all all the people were pretty much Jewish, they came Bearing and bringing with them the cultural reflections of the place where they came from. Yes, they were Jews, but some were from Egypt and they had Egyptian customs. Some were from Rome and they brought with them Latin influences. Some were from as far away as what we would call modern-day Iran and Mesopotamia, and they brought with them Persian influences. They all spoke their own different languages, even though they were all coming to Judah, uh, Jerusalem to celebrate the feast, they all came with their own individual stuff. Add to this international group our band of Jesus' disciples from Galilee. They are a group of what we would call simply country folk. That's who comprised the original disciples. Just basic, simple Country folk who worked the land or their first century blue collar job. They were good people. They were strong people. They could be counted on. Salt of the earth, we would say. And yet, compared to these others coming from the wider parts of the world, they may not be, as we would say, as sophisticated as some of those others from Rome, for example. They may not know that when you have three forks and a spoon at the top of your place setting, which one to use first, okay? They were smart, good people, but they just lacked sophistication. Think of it as going to Disney during Christmas time. There at Disney, you've got people from Hong Kong. Tokyo, Singapore, Moscow, Rome, Egypt. You've got them from London. You've got them from Toronto. You've got them from Medellin. You've got them from um, South America, from Brazil, and, and you've got them from Cluiston, Florida. That's right, Cluiston, Florida. They're there too. You see, the disciples from Galilee... They were from the Cluiston of the first century to kind of understand where the disciples are coming from. Now, I bring this all up because we often misunderstand what happens in our text this morning um, and what happened on that Pentecost. We hear this text and we're immediately tempted to think that the first disciples began to speak in what our Pentecostal brothers and sisters would call an unspeakable, utterable Intelligible language, the gift of tongues or glossolalia, an ecstatic, unrecognizable form of speech given by the Spirit. But that's not the case. That's not the case in our stories today. Our scripture tells us, in effect, that the gathered church composed of folks from the first century equivalent of in Florida, that is, from Galilee, they began to declare the mighty works of God in other exotic, unknown languages like Latin, Persian, Arabic, Egyptian, and who knows what else. Our text today says that the common disciples began to speak in the specific languages and dialect of the people from those regions gathered from around the world. It would be as though I were there in the first century and I heard one of the disciples talk about and y'all need to come to know Jesus. And I'd say, I know what that means. I hear Southern. I hear my dialect. These are my people. I can relate to them. And that's what happened at first Pentecost. Common disciples, the good old simple folks from Galilee, were speaking the dialect of particular languages of those who had gathered. They were describing in those individual particular languages what God has done and is doing. And they did it in a way that those who heard in the culture could understand. Hear that again. They were describing what God has done and is doing in language and in ways the people who heard could understand. Now, the response from those who were watching this in the culture was total shock and bewilderment. Aren't these guys from Cluiston? Aren't they from Galilee? I mean, come on. They're just simple folks. How do they know Latin? How do they know Arabic? How do they know Persian? How do they know all these languages? How is it they're speaking perfect French, Italian, and Arabic? This doesn't make any sense. Surely they've been hitting the sauce. Surely they've had some Boone's Farm before the 9.30 service. People were not getting drunk on cheap wine. It's the words of God spoken to the people of the world in ways they could hear that got their attention. Peter reminds them in verses 14 and 15... Y'all listen carefully and get this, get this story straight. Did you hear that? Peter is telling them, he's telling you and me, y'all listen carefully and get this story straight. So do we hear it? Do we get it? Beloved, Pentecost, the church's birthday, commemorates the moment in time when God instigates the birth of the church, capital C. In culture today that primarily ignores church, doesn't care about church, in a culture today where people that go to church um, have ignored its importance. A church in a culture today that see if you go, you know, if I get to church once a month and do something for and with the uh, church folks once a month, you know, I'm, I'm living a pretty faithful life and brothers and sisters we're, a, we're, we're, we're in deep yogurt because we're about to miss the point. Pentecost is important because it reminds us of the importance of this day, of every day. Sporting events, beach trips, fishing trips, yard work, they will all take precedence over gathering in the community of worship and service of God these days. America's churches are dying today because Christians have lost the understanding of what church, this spiritual community church, what we are about. Conversely, the church has done a poor job of explaining and living its purpose for the Christ followers in the pews. Today, it's it's, it's very common to hear, well, I don't need the church. It's my relationship with God. It's me and God. I don't need the church. I can do that by myself. I hear that all the time. And then I'm reminded of how far we as community, Christian community, church, have missed the point. You see, the church was birthed by God to bring life not to me, but to community. The church breathed spirit into community so that the community made up of individuals would work together as a holy hurricane and the rest of the community. It was breathed into being to be a community, a social structure, a movement of God that seeks to tell others the mighty acts of God God in ways people can understand in the world. It's not solely about what God has done for me, but it's about how the spirit of God is working through all of our individual selves and weaving that together into a powerful cultural leverage and community influence in our world today through the power of Jesus Christ, through the Holy Spirit in the church. We have been Facebooked and Instagrammed to death in our culture. Think about that. How has that affected the church? you ever thought about how Facebook and Instagram, what it says about church, about this community, about church community? Two extremes of how our culture today is making the story about me, Instead of about us in the world, it's hard to change the world when we're walking around snapping pictures of ourselves as we step over people that need the grace of Jesus Christ. When we are the star of our own picture, that's not the church. We have missed the way. Beloved, why does the church of Jesus Christ exist? Why did God breathe into it existence to begin with? God created church, my friends, to be the living community of God, calling for the effect of grace, justice, and humility for other people. The church exists to declare the mighty acts of God to other people so they can hear, they can understand. The church exists, my beloved, when you and I join our individual spiritual giftedness to the mutual benefit, for the mutual benefit of those out there. I will go so far as to say that most American churches have lost our identity because it's been subsumed into the identity of the larger culture. The church has lost her identity, and it's taken place over decades. The church has wrapped its identity in political causes in economic causes, on the right, on the left. And it's wrapped itself in those causes to the exclusion of the purpose the church was breathed into the existence to begin with, and that is to declare the mighty acts of God through Jesus Christ. We have lost our identity. We are letting the tail wag the dog. We have confused meaningful worship for Christotainment. And, sisters and brothers, that happens in contemporary worship as well as traditional worship. We've confused church growth with the size of church membership and budgets instead of a community's growth in its commitment and their knowledge of growing meaningfully biblically with a servant's heart and attitude into the community, transforming a community. We have confused faithfulness, my friends, to God with political affiliations or nationalism. Friends, it's time for the church to reclaim her identity, which is grounded in God. It's not about you. It's not about me. It's not about our cause. The first thing we can say about the church is that its identity is grounded firmly and foremost in God. Second, the identity of the church shares the mighty works of God to the larger community. That's our identity. That is what we do. And we do it in such a way that those in the larger community will sit up and say, Are they drunk? In other words, there's something different about that community. I want to be a part of that. And third, it's an identity that takes on the characteristics of the Holy Spirit. And the Holy Spirit's characteristics are life-giving, unifying, wild, unpredictable, table-tossing of the status quo while it lives out love for others that is intentional, that is strategic, that is willful and inconvenient. It's a church who wraps her identity up in learning new cultural dialects in order to better speak and serve those in a swirly, fast-changing world. It's a church that has moved from print to screen. It is a church whose identity is not wrapped up in doing things the way we've always done it, but is instead searching for ways to get off our seat and move out into the world. Friend, what is, friends, what is the identity of this church? First Presbyterian Church? What's the identity of this church? Have you ever thought about it? What is the identity of First Presbyterian Church in Fort Lauderdale? Is our identity wrapped up in the glory days of the past? Is that how we find our identity? Is our identity found up in, the, in our buildings and the property that we have? Is that, is that what our identity is? Is our identity wrapped up in our worship and music ministries? Is our identity wrapped up in our former pastors and pastors' leadership and shenanigans? Friends, what is this church's identity? Is it based upon the past or upon where you are now as we look into the future? The past few months, the session has been wrestling with the church's identity The session has realized that we cannot live on the past. We can't live off the past. We have to live in the present, moving to the future. Our identity is changing. Not because we want it to, but because our context, our world is changing. Are we changing? Is our identity evolving with it? And the session identified recently on a spiritual advance three spiritually driven traits about our identity as a church at First Pres: We are to share the good news. We are to be an inspiring Christ-centered presence in Fort Lauderdale by transforming this community and beyond sharing the good news. We are to be an inspiring, Christ-focused presence in this community, transforming our community and the world beyond. That's our identity. That's our identity. Not that we own some of the largest landownings on Las Olas. Not that we have buildings that are paid for. When I moved here some 16 months ago, I'd walk around the community cold calling and I would ask them out in the restaurants and shop, you know, and want to go to Publix or Winn-Dixie. And I would ask people, what do you know about First Presbyterian Church? I'm just curious what they would say. What's our identity? Well, let me break it to you. It's not what I heard, but rather what I heard was not consistent with who we are. I heard, well, your identity, you're known for putting on that giant Christmas pageant every year with the camels and donkeys. (laughs) No, that's First Baptist. We're known for our preschool and for our Christmas concerts. Folks, we got work to do. If people think we're putting on First Baptist's show every Christmas, we got a problem. We've lost our identity. Friends, the session has outlined the identity it expects. And I want you to repeat it with me. I want you to repeat so that three years from now, Five years from now, when you go into the community, people are going to, when you ask, what is, tell me about First Presbyterian Church, this is what we're going we're, we're to hear. So repeat after me. First Pres is called by God, called by God. To, share news, to share the good news, to be an inspiring Christ-centered presence in Fort Lauderdale. By transforming our local community and beyond. By transforming our local community and beyond. Sharing, inspiring, transforming. That's what I want this church to be known by, through the Holy Spirit. Not for parading camels that we don't even have. (laughs) I'm not kidding. we got work to do. Pray with me. Holy Spirit of God, as we gather this day, we pray the Holy Spirit would invade this church. Oh, Lord, that you would take us where we are, that you would lead us to where you want us to go, to who you want us to serve. Lord God, we pray that as we come this day for this meal, that you would separate the elements from their everyday use, that you would lift us in the Holy Spirit to the presence of Christ and the saints of God and feed us by your hand. Holy Spirit, by this meal, may we be transformed so that people in the world will look at us and say, those people at first prayers, Whoa! They're sharing the good news. They're inspiring Christ-centered living. They're transforming our community. Oh God, so be it. Amen.